when it comes to our content, we tend to focus it on one specific platform and that's the right approach. I mean, if you're creating a video for YouTube, make it a video for YouTube. However, there are many other ways that you can take the same content and repurpose it for other platforms to build new communities, to build new audience and get more eyeballs, more subscribers, more views and everything basically feeds each other. But there's a fine art and a fine strategy to doing this and today's show is what this is all about. Let's do this. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. And welcome to another episode of Tube Talk. My name is Liron Segev. I'm a tech blogger, a YouTuber, and the director of customer success here at vidIQ, where every day we help creators big and small level up their channels, get more subscribers, more views in less time. So a typical YouTuber's journey involves uploading lots of content, learning the algorithm, learning the stats, learning the data, adapting, building communities, building more watch time, getting those subscribers and therefore monetizing. But today's guest is doing something completely different and has got a very different view on how to use YouTube and how to monetize and actually just content creation as a whole. So excited to be speaking to Steve from the stayathomechef.com and we'll get into all his various platforms shortly. Steve, welcome to Tube Talk. Wow, thank you so much, Liron. This is exciting to have you. For people who don't know you, give us like the, who is Steve in a tweet? In a tweet. Let's see if I can do it, do it justice. So I am a computer nerd. I've been interested in video my entire, entire life. Uh, I went to school and did some like vision processing, AI stuff, went and worked for the DOD. During that time, I had a little tech blog. And then my wife, um, after I went to the private sector, decided that she wanted to start a blog and has just grown this empire of food-related content. And I quit my job to go work with her. So that's, that's a, the, the brief overview of a tweet <laughs> that I can give you for now. It, it's a threaded tweet. So there's a couple of those joined together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, we go. there we go. There we go. Okay, so a, te- a fellow tech nerd, so already thumbs up. That last part was super interesting. You gave up your real job in inverted commas to be a content creator? Yes. Yes, I did. You know, and it was really hard. So I'm on the older end of the millennial generation and uh, my parents had a really hard time when I, when like I told them, you know, I'm quitting my career Mm. as a computer engineer to go work with my wife on her food blog. So that must have gone down well. Oh, you know, for the first year, I think they were telling me, you know, Every time we went and had like dinner with them, there's always our room in our basement if you need to come live with us. <laughs> yeah, I think by now, now they totally understand it and mm. uh, totally appreciate what we do. And, yeah. and when, how long ago was this, would you say? So that was uh, like January 2017. So it's been over wow. three years now that I've okay. been doing this with my wife full time. And, and what is the stay at home chef? So the stay-at-home chef is my wife's creation. She is Rachel, the stay-at-home chef, and I'm sorry that she, her beautiful voice is not with us today. Me um, too. <laughs> but she, so in 2012, uh, she decided that she wanted to make money off of blogging, and so she she had a personal like recipe blog that she had been 
working on and adding recipes to. And she decided that she was going to, to actually try to make money to it. And, and there's a little bit more behind that. But, mm -hmm. but once she started trying to make money for it, um, she worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And then around the end of 2016, she started making more money than me as a computer engineer. And so we both were kind of like looking at each other uh, like, well, maybe I need to come, uh, quit mm -hmm. my job and come help with you on this full time. And so, so that's eventually what we did. And so she has been, uh, from the beginning, creating recipes that she posts on her blog. Uh, and that's our primary hub of our content is our website, where we host just free recipes for anybody to come and make. Okay, but now if it's free recipes, how does it allow you then to quit your job? Yeah, so that's an excellent question. It's a question a lot of people ask us um, because I think a lot of people understand like the YouTube revenue mm, exactly. way more than they do like a blog revenue. And we've, we're also a little bit different in that we have never really done brand deals. Uh, we try to do some, but they end up taking too much work and effort to be worth it. And the, the food brand work is very different than a lot of the other niches because um, if somebody's advertising, a, a, you know, a $1 bag of corn, that's different than what they might put into like a $100,000 luxury car, right? Right, so, absolutely. So we have primarily relied on ad revenue on our website. Um, and the trick is getting people to our website. So, so we use many different methods like SEO, uh, social media, and uh, like email lists, push notifications, uh, all to drive traffic to our website. Uh, where we have display advertising and we make uh, I think something like 80% of our revenue just off of display advertising. Wow. Okay. Well, that, that's a lot to unpack for people who maybe are very YouTube focused. So let's, let's break down a little bit if you don't mind. Oh, um, not at all. So we know YouTube and we know YouTube, you create a video, YouTube runs some ads on that. And if you're big enough, you get mon you mon you're monetized, you get a chunk of that ad spend, and you're very happy to send you a check every month. Some people make a little bit of money, some people make a lot of money, but that's kind of the model. You basically get a commission of an ad being run on your platform. For the blogging world, is it kind of the same to a certain degree? Yeah, yeah, there, there are a lot of similarities, um, except for like, so, on YouTube, Google is the primary advertiser, right? Uh, ever, mm -hmm. All the ads run through their ad exchange for the most part. Um, and they have a set revenue split that you can't really argue with, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. And, but in the blog world, when you run a website, uh, there are a whole bunch of different, you can even choose to run your ads yourself, um, but uh, most wow. people choose to have a company run their advertising for them. So we've been through several different ad networks that uh, run the scripts that display ads and negotiate different rev splits. And, and the revenue, the thing I also have to add too is that the revenue per page view is much different than like a video view. It seems like you have so much more control versus a literally a take it or leave it situation that you have on YouTube. For sure. And we, do, we, like, we have a lot of control over the advertising on our page. So, I, and I know on YouTube you can say, oh, I want this many ads in a video to some extent and right. kind of filter them. But on our website, we can say, I want like these header ads. I only want so many ads in the content. We'll put an ad on the sidebar. Mm. And so we can, we can control that. And so 
when one person views our page, and maybe I'm getting too technical in like how ads make money, but for every ad that somebody sees on our page, we make a little bit of money. And overall, like for one page view, we earn, uh, well, like uh, an RPM of around, uh, we were up in the 30s in December, $30 per thousand views. And we're down now because of the drop in mm -hmm. RPM because of economy reset and advertising budgets, all that stuff. We're down to like $12 per thousand views. Oh, so, so it does fluctuate quite a bit depending on seasonality, quarters of the year, um, budgets, etc. Yes. Okay. But the big picture here is it's still enough to allow you and Rachel to have this as your income. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. So I'm hearing a bunch of stuff. So I'm hearing control. In other words, uh, you have the ability to take control of your advertising networks because you can choose to have one or multiple, and you can choose to negotiate your rates based on your popularity, number of page views. You also have control where you want the ads to be seen, as opposed to what we kind of used to on YouTube, which is basically have ad at the beginning, the middle, the end. You can have multiples, but that's it. I mean, you can maybe limit your niche of who can advertise, but you don't really have control of the split either. So right. that control seems to be quite a big word. And what I do like about the blogging world, and I know for myself as well, I'm also more in touch with my audience because I can build up a mailing list. Yeah, we do. And we run a very lean mailing list um, because there's a lot of overhead and cost and mm -hmm. our ROI. So unlike, so because we're offering a free product and we may only make like a couple cents if somebody opens our, our email and mm -hmm. clicks through, we tend to prune our lists until we get like a 25% open rate. Oh, wow. um, so, but th that's just because there's no point in us, like we lose money on email list um, subscribers if they're not like actively cl clicking through. Um, Got it. There's a cost and the same with like push notifications. Like if we were selling an actual product that you, we knew we could, you know, if we had a certain conversion rate, mm -hmm. um, we could afford to keep a lot of these less active you know, it, there would be a more, more of an ROI, but because right. our ROI per, per click-through is pretty low, we just go for mass click-through, right? And, and there's, not point, there's not a point in us spamming people if they're not going to click through. Oh, love it. Well, that, that's great because the biggest thing that you hear out there is build your mailing list, get hundreds and thousands and thousands of people on your, on your mailing list, but you're doing it differently. So, I, you know, I've always, that's what I've always liked about the way that you guys work is that it's very targeted, very specific, very with a purpose. You would rather have a smaller list, but much more engaged audience, much more likely to click versus just going for the masses number of email addresses you can possibly get. Exactly. We see a, a better ROI if, if we trim it down. A lot of creators use YouTube as their site, but you're not doing that. You have your website and you're using YouTube slightly differently. How did that all start about? Yeah. So, so, you know, in my little background that I gave about myself, you know, I'm a computer nerd. I knew, like, when my wife started blogging in 2012, I told her, you know, video is the future. Okay? Video mm -hmm. is going to be one of the most important things. And at that time when she was getting into it, food blogging and blogging in general was largely driven by good photographers. Uh, mm. Like, all those... Pinterest, like when Pinterest popped up and, 
and even like Facebook, most of the websites that were successful had great photography um, because it drove a lot of click-throughs. And you know, Google search algorithm really liked those click-throughs, and it assumed that people were get was getting were getting what they wanted, and and things have shifted significantly. But back then, I told I told Rachel, you know, you got to get into video. At the time, we I think her first video was with a Flip HD. Um, <laughs> I had I had shot some YouTube videos um, with it, and and so we started pretty basic, um, but she started learning, and we didn't see an ROI from our YouTube for quite some time. Mm. And one of the significant ways that we get a, uh, an ROI on YouTube is through SEO, and that sounds a little weird that like our Ooh. Google's because we know. YouTube is this huge search engine, but Google's a search engine too, and they're, they're tied together in a weird way that um, if you're providing content that people really like and is and helps serve solve, uh, sorry, helps solve search intent on Google, then you will rank higher. And so by having videos embedded in our website, we're helping to solve search intent, whether that somebody wants a video result or a written recipe. Mm -hmm. And for recipes specifically, because it's a how-to format, uh, you might really want to see what that dough should look like, right? And so, so it's, helping, it's helping to strengthen our, our ranking metrics on Google. Okay, so you're actually using, I mean, Google owns Google, Google owns YouTube, and the two worlds are colliding and because it's a search engine, what do you do in a search engine? You ask questions. So you're playing almost both sides of the coin. You're saying, hey, Google, when somebody does a how to make this, how to make chocolate cake, send them over to our website. Oh, by the way, on my website, on my page, on my blog, I also have a step-by-step -step instruction. Download the PDF if, if you have that. And you can also check out visually and watch me go through these steps. Here is my YouTube video all embedded. Now, YouTube, Google must love that. I mean, as far as snippets are concerned, you get a lot of search traffic through that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's, it's a shifting thing even today. Like, we're seeing um, Google search also start favoring um, video results on smart displays and stuff like that. So, so it, mm -hmm. It's been this gradual thing that has just increased, 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 and now we're really benefiting from it. Um, because, yeah, like Google really does love it that we have video results. And video, uh, Google also scrapes metadata from our website, and we provide Google with information about, like, here's this video embedded in our... I'm sure they, they can figure it out without the metadata, but like, right. we, we, can, we can tell Google, here's a recipe, and here's a video that goes with that recipe. So... Feed the beast wherever you exactly. can. Feed the beast with metadata. And that's what people forget is that YouTube at the end of the day just wants to serve a user who has a question. And when you can tap into that, your SEO must be immense value. And you mentioned SEO a bunch of times. So I'm assuming you spend a lot of time with SEO? Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, and it's this weird, complicated, it's this weird, complicated web. And... Rachel always tells people that she tries to catch these old ladies in her web that are looking for <laughs> recipes and want to share it on Facebook and they pin it and they send it to their friends via email, right? And that all strengthens our SEO because we're generating backlinks. We're, right. you know, we're getting direct traffic, you know? So it, it all contributes to each other in this weird interacting web. 
Okay, YouTubers who have just a channel, they don't have a website as yet, but probably after this conversation, they'll definitely think twice and maybe launch a blogging WordPress site. But right now, they've just got their channel. When they look at their titles and their descriptions, do you find that people need to spend more time understanding SEO, giving proper titles, or more ignore all of that, make good content, and the rest shall find itself? You know, that's a great question. And I think part of it comes down to your unique strategy, right? And because like somebody that's a really good storyteller probably won't get as much value um, from a website if they're going to try to make most of their money off of just views, right? right? But if you have like a tightly integrated product to your channel content, then having a website could be immensely value. Value, like it could be incredibly valuable, right? Because mm -hmm. if somebody goes into Google and wants to search, I think the, you, you know, you, you can double dip, right? You can get the YouTube results, you can get the, the website results, and there are different people who have different platforms. And, that, and that's something like, because we're, we have a significant Facebook following, we're on Pinterest, uh, you know, Instagram, and our website, YouTube, all these people we've noticed are not necessarily on the other platforms. So in, in spreading out, you, you do collect more people now. And like I said at first though, like you, your target audience may not be on that platform. So it may not be as important, but, but if okay. you are definitely looking for that, that those conversions, mm -hmm. it, you know, in, as far as, Marketing is concerned. If you want to convert people to buy stuff, a website could be very helpful in that. Okay, so that's great. It's a great advice. Don't be there for the sake of being there. Be there because your audience is there. So yes. I mean, you guys are on Pinterest, killing it on Pinterest with like 10 million views uh, a month on your Pinterest. And I believe you're playing on TikTok as well now? Yes. And yeah. How, how is that going? Well, okay. So I have to dis <laughs> I have to put a disclaimer on there. Um, the TikTok is so we have we're we're to the point where the recipe stuff is is somewhat formulaic, right? Um, we have a formula down. We create mm -hmm. a recipe. We do that, and so we're looking at methods of branching out. And uh, TikTok is is kind of a creative outlet for both me and my wife. Nice. And she she's trying she's experimenting with uh, food stuff, and I'm experimenting with nerd stuff. So, okay. In your experience, have things gone horribly wrong when you've tried them? Oh, that's a great question. And if you asked Rachel this, she would most definitely say one of the biggest mistakes she made was making videos for other people. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> okay. But at the same time. <laughs> there was a lot that, of good that came out with it. So let me give you a little bit ba of background. Yes, um, please. <laughs> yeah, so about when Tasty started putting out their food videos, they, and, and they, they showed a video of how they come up with their ideas for recipes, and they were literally just scrolling Pinterest and saying, let's make a video out of this person's recipe. And she was like, hey, those are my friends. They're just stealing their recipes and making videos out of them. Why don't we do this for ourselves? And so she approached several bloggers, several big bloggers and said, hey, I'm experimenting with this. I'm going to make videos, tasty style food videos, you know, hands mm -hmm. in pans, just top view. And we're going to play around with this. And she, she started that. She started then um, 
creating videos for a lot of different bloggers. It, and this is about when I quit my job. She was making like 80 videos a week what? Um, by herself. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's insane. Um, she was just a content machine. And eventually, we, we, this is when our team started growing. We hired her, uh, her brother to do some video editing for us. And then when I quit my job, I went and she was completely burned out. Like she'd been doing this for a couple of months, had made almost a thousand videos. And uh, I said, well, let's see if we can expand this, this into a, video, uh, a business where we make videos for other people. We'll, we'll grow it. And uh, we tried and like that business, it failed. It was not, it didn't grow like we expected it to. It, it, it didn't generate enough revenue. I think in the end, we, we, we realized based on the economics that we were making under minimum wage. So we pulled the plug after a couple of months and said, you know, we're done with that. Um, hmm. And so it was a lot of time and effort that we poured into this experiment. Uh, but, you know, there's that whole like, um, and I'm not sure how accurate the 10,000 hours things thing is but like <laughs> right. the same principle applies right because we had spent so much time um creating video content i think that we learned a lot in that yes well and, and i think that's that's an important message it's only a failure if you don't learn from it yeah yeah and we've we've experimented we i, th I think that's been one of our strengths is that we've we've poked at things right yes. you know we've said like for for example when live video started gaining preference on Facebook. We started trying to do weekly live shows and we learned that that was burning us out faster than we were getting any sort of return on it, you know? Right. And just things like that. We've, we've experimented with uh, different formats of content, right? Cause like on, on YouTube, for example, our content is all how to, and it doesn't, it doesn't feed the YouTube algorithm. So mm -hmm. almost half of our views come from search on YouTube, which, I know is unusual for most channels. Right. Uh, we do not get a lot of like, oh, people just click through and watch all of our videos. No, we, um, because people, if I want to learn how to make cookies, I'm not going to be like, oh, look, roasted asparagus. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've tried different content on YouTube to try to like be more, cater more towards the algorithm, but that didn't fit within, like, you know, it's that opportunity cost. So, exactly, so we've exactly. experimented with so many things and, and I think it's, it's really benefited us because we've taken little bits and pieces of, of what we've learned here and there. Like, don't be afraid to fail. <laughs> yes. Oh, fail quickly and then yeah. move on, you know, yeah, that's and recognize, the important thing. Recognize when you have failed and realize that you can try something else. So something I will, I did want to touch on though, that that's been interesting through this is so we've just kind of regularly created content for YouTube, which is long format cooking show style videos, right? When we first started videos on Facebook, uh, the algorithm on Facebook really pre um, preferred those 60 second, like quick, like mm -hmm. food porn videos, right? That people <laughs> would click on like crazy, you know? And uh, eventually we started transitioning to our long format content that we had been publishing on YouTube. And we started seeing great results on Facebook. Um, oh, wow. then, and one of the reasons why we're successful on Pinterest is because we have so much content and Pinterest started you know, getting into video. And so we were able to adapt the content that we already had to Pinterest. And then even like lately on Instagram, you know, 
IGTV came out and people are like, oh, you know, I, I think a lot of people will think it's kind of a bust, but we're publishing our full length, well, they're like three to five minute, like how to cook this recipe, and we're getting uh, tens of thousands of views on most of our videos that we publish on Instagram, and wow. our, it's one of our smaller followings. So, so cool. even though like you, you may look at content, like because if you look just at our YouTube, you'd be like, well, some of this content isn't really successful. Right. But you can take that and you can put it on to, in different places and it, it has been wildly successful for us. Repurposing. You've already shot. You've already you've done all the hard work. You've got this library sitting on your computer. What else can you do with it? Maybe you do have to repurpose it. Maybe it's cap big captions to make it attractive for those people who watch without sound on Instagram or on Facebook. But play exactly. around. You have the, you've done the work. You might as well use it. Exactly. Okay. Loving it. I just wanted to add one, one more thing to that. Like along those lines, don't be like if if when we started putting long content on Facebook for cooking, people were like, that's not going to work. People don't like that content. I was like, well, we're going to try, right? If mm. if people didn't believe, you know, oh, you, you people aren't going to watch a five minute cooking video on Instagram. Turns out they are, right? So nice. So don't like back to that experiment, like. Take risks. Try try different things on these different platforms. Well, and also be selective with what you hear and what you're willing to to do. And everybody's experiences can be different. Maybe your content it doesn't work for, but you know what? Maybe your content something does work for. Whereas one thing that we all tend to do is we go to these events, we go to um, watch webinars, we download PDFs, and people are giving information but that information might not necessarily apply to you and your channel totally the only sure. way you're going to know this is if you play around like steve and rachel have been playing and some stuff has worked some stuff has worked against the grain completely and it just their content it just worked when it comes to your schedule with you and rachel how do you balance out between work your home life and then you got this con massive content production do you have a team going are there any tips for us to be able to find a nice balance? Let's be honest, are all on top of each other, especially nowadays? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think that when I first quit my job and started working full time, that was something that uh, Rachel and I struggled with, is trying to find that balance of how to work together, you know, especially because, it, it, and this is something we've discussed that, um, like different people have different work lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people are discovering that now. Like I've seen tons of TikToks of people like, oh my gosh, my husband is a speakerphone. Like, yes, yes. You know, like talking about all these behaviors. They no, that's right. He's the, he's the we'll circle back kind of guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Like they're discovering all these things about their, their partner's work, you know, life that, you know, I, I was spending eight hours a day away from home. And now all of a sudden, like that eight hours a day is, or, or more, you know, is now meshed. And so, so finding that balance just takes a lot of time and patience. And I, and sometimes, you know, we've also had to come to the conclusion in balancing things that um, there are some things that it's better if we hire that out rather than try to work on it together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so like we have grown our team. Um, we are now up to, uh, three full-time employees for our uh, media business. Um, and like we have somebody that, that runs our cameras. We have scheduled production times. Uh, we, we, uh, 
like our house was purchased specifically so we could uh, turn the basement into a studio. Mm. Um, and we have a unique situation too because uh, Rachel has a permanent disability. She has a chronic illness and that greatly affects what we can do. So we have to be relatively flexible in that she might have a good day and she might have a bad day and that might have to adjust our schedule uh, based on that. But as far as I'm trying to think if there are any other like nuggets <laughs> of tips, wisdom that I can give in that. And it's just um, find out what works for you, you know? Back to experimentation yeah. again, right? Yeah. It's, it's more of let's try, see if that works. And if it does, great. If it doesn't, we'll change it. And yeah. I think so many of us are so holdent onto our little baby, onto our YouTube channel or our blog or, you know, it's our, it's, it's our content. It's us. And we're very afraid to let an editor get their hands on it or somebody oh, else yeah. is not going to do as good enough of a job as I am. Once oh, you, yeah. get, you get over that, the world becomes so much more open. Well, and it frees you up. If you can hire out some of the, um, I don't want to say menial because they're not necessarily menial tasks, but maybe the things that you, that drag on you. Yes. Um, it frees you up for more creativity, right? So for example, we were sitting and you talked about these, you know, you go to these conferences and you hear all these great ideas that may or may not work for you. And we were sitting in like a thumbnail class. Um, and Rachel was like, oh my gosh, why have I not hired a full-time graphic designer to just <laughs> go through and edit my photos, make thumbnails and do all this stuff? I've been spending so much time doing this and it's not something I'm great at. Right. It's not, you know, it, she, she's still pretty good at it. But um, <laughs> yeah, for the record, <laughs> <laughs> for the record, for the record, she's still pretty good at it. But, uh, you know, it, it was just a significant drag on her just workload to right. to do that and so in in hiring people like to, to take these other things away from you it does allow you to to take more of that creativity back because yes. i do believe that there is a certain amount of like creative fatigue and you know, i come from the software world and it a lot of the companies i work for i worked for startups and whatever and like there's always a fire to put out right <laughs> It, and you just jump from one fire to the next fire. And it took me a while in my career to realize, you know, if I just stop working and take a break and come back, that fire is still there, but yep. like I can address it later. Right. Like there, there is this creative fatigue that you can get. So, so do what you can to, to get rid of those things that are dragging your, your brain and your, your workload. Well, and some things are just a time suck and, the one thing we can't buy is time. Exactly. Uh, you know, I always say to people that I consult with, it's what do you want to be known as? As having kind of the greatest camera presence or you want to be the best editor? If you want to be the best editor, go and learn to edit. But if you want to be the best on screen, focus your time there and go find the best editor who's going to edit your stuff. It's, there's only 24 hours in a day, regardless where you, where you are in the world, you only get the same amount of time. And the more that you can produce, the more that you can maximize your time and still have a life because that is super important. And on previous episode, we've spoken about the mindset that if you go into this, they call it the death spiral, the creativity death spiral. You have to produce content. You're so busy overthinking it. You can't produce any more content, which makes you panic even more. And therefore you're producing even less and, 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 and it becomes to almost that flat line. So we need to be very, very conscious of the fact that our brains need to be creative. We've only have certain amount of hours and a certain admin type of work 
that maybe is better handled by someone who's really good at doing that admin. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And I think the other important thing to realize, and this comes back to like relationships with people you work mm -hmm. with too, mm -hmm. you know, is that sometimes people do things in a different way and like, even though it's not exactly how you did it, did mm -hmm. it or would have done it, you know, it, it still might work. Right. Right. Um, so, and there are times when, yeah, you might see better results if you do things yourself, but, but overall, like, don't be so concerned that things aren't going to be done to the exact level that you would do them to yourself because right. you can then focus on larger picture things, regardless of whether or not the little tiny details are perfect. Yeah, and perfection is going to hold you back every time. I have an interesting comment about the perfection. So one of the things that we learned in making all these thousands of videos um, for other people, like I've eaten more internet recipes <laughs> than probably anybody. Uh, but anyway, so, so we learned in, in publishing all these short videos on, on Facebook that a little level of imperfection was actually better in many ways. Uh, so especially for food, because... If you look at like a McDonald's commercial, right? That burger looks perfect because it makes you hungry. It makes you want to eat it. But there, there's no way that you could make something as perfect as what they display, right? So, right. so for our niche, it actually made a lot of sense. And and we'd also get clients that come would come back and say, "Oh, you made this tiny little mistake. I hate it. You need to redo the whole video." And we'd be like, "Wait, trust us on this. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and publish the video and see what happens." And they would publish the video and. On, like Facebook's algorithm at the time was really um, like people would come back to a post and comment right. and they like long comments. And so people would go in and, and, and make comments like, oh my gosh, you made this mistake, you know, and people would start debates and stuff like that. And it would generate so much uh, engagement. engagement that the video would take off because there was a little bit of imperfection. Correct. So sometimes the most perfect video isn't the best performing. Oh, because it keeps it real. Um, and when you're keeping it real, you're connecting with an audience and the audience wants that, which is yeah. just perfect. Totally. Totally. Right. And that's why, and that, that goes, I, I, I have to say that goes with our, the type of content that we create because our motto is uh, restaurant quality food you can easily make at home. And so for us, that, that's even more approachable that yes. like, oh, hey, like this is something I can achieve. So it works really well for our, for our content as well. Well, approachable is right because that's what you need to be. Nobody's ever woken up in the morning and said, oh, I wonder what my toothpaste company is up to, right? That's just not something <laughs> that you do. But you do connect with people on the internet. You do connect with your favorite chef. If you could give one message to our content creators around the world that every single content creator would see on a tweet or a billboard in Times Square, what message would you send them? That's a great question. Let me give it a, a second of thought a so that it, it's really good. <laughs> um, I'd say the message that I'd want to share is, uh, and this is not a unique message. I, I've heard other people say it is just go out and start making content. Yes. Um, don't let all the heavy details and like feel like you have to get everything right before you start making content. Uh, because yes. Like if you look at, at our journey, so from 2012 to 2007, 2016, like our, uh, Rachel's blog was, was profitable, 
but it like her goal was just to maybe pay for groceries and or you know maybe eventually pay our mortgage mm-hmm. and it took a significant amount of time for her to figure it out so it's not going to happen overnight and don't worry if you fail at first just go keep on keep on doing it if this is something that you really want to do okay love that message it's a clear message so, Steve, thank you very much for spending some time with us on Tube Talk. That's really appreciate it. Amazing, amazing tips from a very different angle, and that's what we like around here. So, oh, I appreciate no your time. I'm so glad I could uh, join. Of course, the show notes are going to have all the links to the various places you can find Steve and Rachel, and their blog, their YouTube channel, their Pinterest, and, of course, TikTok as well. Go check them out. And for the rest of you still listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast application. Share this episode with at least one other content creator that's perhaps is struggling and needs some of that magic Steve inspiration to get to that next publish, to post up that next blog post, and to create that next video. Share this episode with them. And of course, we'll catch you on the next episode of Tube Talk. Thanks for hanging out. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.